Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mental Roots. I am Nathan Aday. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I've been doing this for like, what, nearly a year and a half already. Time flies. It's been a mazzolini during COVID. If you don't understand what that term means, I apologise for my colloquialism. But I am just feeling so loose so free so happy right now because if you are familiar with what mental roots is about you will know that there's not just the mental roots podcast there is a visual component to the whole mental roots brand and movement and i am an animator for those of you who don't know first and foremost mental roots was originally a short animated film which has just been released so that's the big announcement i want to make right now it's just been released um sunday the 12th of december was the premiere um date and it premiered in a program called animated shorts bbc introducing arts um it aired at 10 30 p.m and you can go and watch it now on bbc iplayer there's going to be a link to that in the written description uh for this episode wherever you are watching or listening um and there is also a link to watch the film by itself as well um through my website so um i've got the embed link from um for for the film from the bbc new creatives website and i've embedded it into my own personal website so there's a link to my personal website where there's some paragraphs i've written about the film and why it exists um and then of course there's a link to all the social media there as well and the podcast um so yeah all of that is to say mental roots for those of you who don't know this is a whole media project movement with a podcast side and a visual side and i'm going to have a series of mental roots animations coming out which will be informed and and influenced by the interviews we have here um on the mental roots podcast but what is it all about black um mental health is what it's all about um it started particularly focusing on black men's mental health um and it is focused on men's mental health mainly but branching out from black men's mental health and looking broader at the black community so looking at black women as well um and yeah just really to destigmatize the um the conversation around mental health in the black community and up until now all of my guests have been black we've gone through a whole season we're like what 30 just over 30 episodes deep now or something um and today today we have our first white guest <laughs> we have our first caucasian guest uh caucasian male um who is also gay um but has i I've, i came across this guy through um a clubhouse chat that i've been involved with for a few months now so to all the members of the mendable group who are listening hello to you i send you greetings uh mendable is basically again a social media collective um that has was created through clubhouse i believe but um they're creating an app to give men all men uh mental health support um, and so I've been involved in their clubhouse uh, rooms for a few months now. And Patrick, um, who is our guest today, Patrick Hill, um, currently based in London, I believe. Um, he's one of the admins for that group and helping to put this app together. And so that's how I came across him. Uh, and here is my conversation with him. He is uh, a coach, uh, a mindset co- coach, a health and well-being coach as well. Um, and 
the stuff he shared with me in this conversation was incredible. It goes to show that, that and the reason why I decided, not that I have to really justify this, but um, the reason why I've invited him as a white man to come on here isn't necessarily because he's white, but because um, just the things he has to say in regards to mental health, I'm sure will benefit our predominantly black audience and just anyone uh, regardless of ethnicity or gender who is listening or watching um, because he talks about you know alcohol abuse he talks about coming from you know as a gay man nav navigating sexuality and navigating um, being an feeling like an outcast you know coming from a strict religious family and how that's he's always had this striving for identity like who am I and obviously identity has been a strong theme throughout this whole podcast so um I know obviously this podcast is focused on black men but he as a man still there's still a lot of transferable things that will apply to black men as well many black men and especially gay black men who may be listening to this so um anyway as usual I'm keeping the intro way too long so we're going to get straight into it this is part one of my chat with patrick just a little trigger warning um there is a little bit of strong language here and there uh, but um again you know your mature audience a lot of you so um just pop your headphones in if you've got kids or family around then you'll be fine um but yeah and and some of the issues that he mentions might be triggering um and so if, if you do find yourself triggered in any way then um there you can contact patrick patrick's social media details um and contact the details are in the written description for this podcast episode so if you do find yourself in a vulnerable emotional state hearing some of the things he talks about please contact him this is what he does he is here for you um and yeah let's get into it there we go. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Mental Roots Podcast. So I'm here with a really nice guy, very genuine, Patrick Hill. Um, usually it's a Patrick. Start. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, it's all right, man. Usually with my guests, I allow them to introduce themselves, um, just to say who they are, uh, what they do, and um, I'll just give a little background context in how we met or I'll, I'll let you tell that story if that's all right <laughs> sure I just like I like that you introduced me as, as a nice guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't get called that that often um oh. yeah so I'm, pa I'm Patrick um I, I live in London I've been in the UK now for nearly 19 years well came mm. for one year 19 years later here I am um I'm a business and personal are partner. you Australian or from New Zealand Oh, gee, that's so offensive, isn't it? They just Observe. can't tell you. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> or am I, is my guess way off? <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, my mum, my mum was Australian. My dad's a Kiwi, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a mongrel. So you, you're safe, Nathan. I'm both. I'm both. Cool. I'm cool. Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I came to the UK when I was 28, um, and mm. I'm 47 soon. Yeah, so this is home and I love it here and I love my life here and what I've created and the work that I do. Um, very passionate about working with others and helping them improve their lives in whatever way um, is, is most beneficial to them. Yeah. And um, just to provide some context and how we met. So um, I've been on Clubhouse for a bit of a while now and um, I think it's the Mendable group, isn't it, on Clubhouse? 
so there's yeah this... the Mon monday thursday nights 8 p.m uk yeah yeah so straight away to any man who's listening right now i just thoroughly recommend joining our um monday and thursday evening um kind of clubhouse room is dedicated to men it's a men's mental health room but of course women are welcome in there as well to contribute and um, be part of the conversation and um yeah that that will we'll talk a bit more about that in our conversation mm -hmm. that's kind of how i met you i think you're one of the admins of the group and um yeah yeah you yeah you and, and i remember i remember the bring... first time I remember the first time I heard you speak in that room, Nathan, and what struck me was how, firstly, you being such a young male and having the kind of the foresight and this emotional and mental wealth and health about you. And it really struck me because I work with a lot of people um, and particularly young males, young black males who uh struggle and when i heard your voice i was like oh this is this is a leader that's what i heard wow. and that you're a young black male with that sort of leadership skills uh and how you are with yourself it was just really inspirational to hear that's amazing to hear man and yeah that's something i've always liked about you as well is that you you've been very not just you but some of the other um regular attendees of the room have been very encouraging um to me you know to keep going and I, it's felt like a self, safe space for me as well just to share mm. how I'm doing um you know especially finishing uni and just talking through how I'm feeling and different things so um already you know I feel like you know it's a it's a family and um there's a few other people in the in the room that have expressed an interest to also come on the podcast as well mm -hmm. um which mm -hmm. is great you know um I, I like for josh for instance joshua you know joshua um yeah he's also expressed an interest to be on the podcast and i think his story would be amazing as well um in terms of how he's navigated um manhood and uh mental health and all of that stuff but um today mm -hmm. we're here to hear from you and just to provide some context to the podcast so as you already know it is focused on young black men and mental health. So mm. up until now, which is why you invited, and that's why you invited an older white gay male, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tick all of to, those boxes. Yeah, <laughs> just to mix up the to tick the diversity <laughs> box, I guess. Um, oh, thanks. I love being a token tick. Yeah, it would be it's very helpful for the look of the podcast. So thank you, thank you for BR being our token white guy. Yeah, no, you got to, you got to, you got to tick the white gay male box, right? <laughs> Everything different from what I've already had. You know. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think one thing I've realised about this podcast is that when we look at the black community. Um, there are obviously many layers to the things that impact our mental health. Um, not just kind of the cultural stuff that we deal with in Western society. Um, and I guess the legacy of, you know, racism or whatnot, but also just looking at traditions within various kinds of black families, you know, in African families and mm -hmm. Caribbean families, um, the beliefs we have and how that influences the way we process our own emotions. And, I'm, I'm hoping to have more guests as well who can talk about more practical elements of mental health such as nutrition um, exercise all these basic things that can mm -hmm. be easily overlooked as well 
um, you know, looking at the cultural impact is, is solid, but, you know, there's also a very practical element to how we can improve our mental health. And in yeah. having more of these diverse conversations, I'm finding more value in speaking to different kinds of people. Um, mm. I feel like sometimes to have a good picture of yourself, you need to um, be able to see it from other people's point of view. And I've started interviewing young black females as well to get their perspective on mental yeah. health and also how they've related with black men who have had their own struggles. And now, you know, I guess we're branching out even more, you know, looking at the crossover between all men, um, because you're a man as well, um, but also bringing sexuality into it. Um, and I think, I believe in one of our, our messages, you also said that you might have a few things to say about mental health in black men. I don't know if you've encountered mm. black men who yeah. have mental health issues. So it'd be great to have your mm. perspective mm. Um, especially as a white male uh, and so yeah that's, yeah. that's sure. why we're doing this conversation yeah and one of the things I want to I want to put this out there right now one of the things that I used to shy away from definitely um, was I used to shy away from I used to feel like I didn't have anything to contribute to the, the black Asian ethnic minority groups I, I really felt that because I'm a white male I nearly said I'm a white straight male that would be funny but one of the one of the things that I now know from the work I do is there are so many universal themes there are so many points of connection across the board for all of us when it comes to mental health and then we have layers we have different layers every individual regardless of where they were born or color of their skin or whatever we all have layers on top of that and I think it's really important for us to start exploring and talking about other people's layers so that we realize that actually every single one of us has other things on top of um, whether you're white black asian any ethnic group has their own cultural things and one of the things i said to you earlier uh, in the chat was i was raised as a, into a very very catholic family almost right wing and that was one of my layers. And that really impacted on my mental health and well-being as a young boy growing mm. up into, into manhood. So I think there's, there can be this thing where because we, we aren't having enough of these sorts of conversations, we can make assumptions that someone else had it easier because of X, Y, and Z. And that's never the case. I think it's yeah. all different. And obviously we know that white people generally grow up with an advantage because of luck however they will also have layers and i met this polish guy recently who was explaining the impact of his culture now he's white polish he's an immigrant like me i'm an immigrant here to the uk mm -hmm. but the layers that he experienced uh and impacted on his mental health because he was polish totally different to mine mm -hmm. but significant interesting yeah and even like just on a nationality level, of course, there's those differences. Um, was I imagine he was also white as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, even just within the same race and the same gender, um, as you said, so many other factors can come into play. So, um, yeah, I mean, let, you've already started talking about your life. I guess that was kind of the first main topic. But before we delve deeper into your story, how 
would you define the term mental health? This is something I've started asking more of my guests because mm-hmm. um, I feel like as much as there has been a lot of progress in the recent years, especially during COVID in awareness on mental health and the resources out there, I still feel like there's still a bit of a stigma about it. And I still hear people use the term mental health to describe mental health illnesses rather than right. using it as a term to describe generally how yeah. you're doing. So I guess what yeah. would be your working definition of the term mental well, health? The, the first thing I want to say is that when we use the phrase mental health, I think it's important that we use it. However, my kind of vision for where we get to is actually when we use the word health, it encompasses that and all other aspects of health. But at the, at the point where, where we are in history, we are still very much talking about mental health as almost a separate thing when it's not because everything's interconnected and interrelated as we know. Um, but for me, when I think about my mental health, there's uh, when I'm really, really you know, mentally and psychologically well, there's a harmony and a peace internally. There's this sense of um, real self-worth and mm. healthy esteem where I can come here and talk to you and feel at peace and at ease in who I am and how I am with you. There's not a, there's not a, uh, an obsessive thought process going on and on and on as I've had in the past. Um, There's, there's a freedom and an ease, I think for me. And I I think back to times in my life when I was very unwell with anxiety or depression, um, there was no peace and there was no ease. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, so let's again talk about your childhood. You said you grew up in a, you know, Catholic setting. Mm. I guess, yeah, just talk about um, how you navigated identity growing up and yeah, how well, it, your mental health awareness started to come into play as you grew up. Yeah, I mean, it's and I've, I've talked about this quite a lot over the years with different people, but I didn't know. Nathan, I didn't know that I had anxiety and depression until I was 38. Mm. I didn't know. Because when you grow up, I grew up in a very, very Catholic family, as I've said. Uh, My father was an alcoholic. So there was always this edge of fear or what's going to happen next. Mm. And when you grow up in, in 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 a household where there is that sort of level of uncertainty, whether it's because of alcoholism or addiction or domestic violence or you know, historical trauma things, the brain is constantly on edge like a blackbird in the garden. The hypervigilance that you grow up with is, as an anxious kid. Um, so, you know, alcoholism was another one of my layers that I referred to earlier, along with Catholicism, along with, you know, growing up as a gay kid. It was tough. It was really tough. I grew up on the outside of my own family because to, to be to be a gay uh, male and try and be Catholic. Well, the messages I received from religion, society, and my family was that's wrong and it's evil and you're going to go to hell, but before that, you're going to die from AIDS. Wow. That's what I grew up. Yeah. And just, I grew just, up to, in that just sort of to interject thing. quickly, sorry. Um, yeah. You might have known already that I'm a Christian, but although I wouldn't necessarily yeah. associate myself or 
limit myself to a particular denomination necessarily i just the mm. way i see it i just believe the bible and authentically mm. follow jesus but it is you know i this could be a whole other topic in itself in terms of navigating faith um and sexuality but mm. i just want to say like just as a genuine follower who really tries to model the precepts of jesus i don't mm. see the 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 i don't see the christ-like character in condemning people to hell because of their sexuality um yeah. i think it is a very nuanced conversation and of course the bible does you know clarify you know what sin is but it's when i look deep into it it's not i think it's very damaging when christians make it seem like homosexuality is the worst of sins when it's really not the case you know that's there's no biblical evidence for that and that's more mm. to do with just the damage of um i guess westernized christianity and when you bring all sorts of other elements into it like you know um mm. our he hegemonic society and um yeah just the corruption of humans you know i think that's when christianity unfortunately starts to have a bad reputation because yeah who put so much emphasis on sexuality but not on the fact that there are heterosexual sins and that they're you know mm. god sees all sin as just as bad so, and and the fact that your sin doesn't have to define you that forgiveness is possible you know and all of these other well so society has society has always society unfortunately has always marginalized vulnerable mm. groups always yeah yeah so i just and... want to say man just to encourage you like this yeah just as a christian like it i it angers me too just so you know <laughs> yeah hey everyone i hope you're enjoying the episode so far before we continue um i just want to share with you something very briefly something that's really been helping me um with my concentration and productivity with all the work i've been doing finishing uni uh, finishing the first two Mental Roots short films, which I can't wait to share with you. All of that stuff, in addition to the podcast, needs some high-level concentration and motivation, especially during a pandemic. So if you're a busy guy like me, you've got loads of things going on and you want something that can boost your productivity, I highly recommend some um, natural caffeine um, energy um, shots that I've been using, which you can mix with tea or water or whatever you want. Um, it's got a nice rich raspberry flavor packed with vitamins and a really good natural caffeine which doesn't give you the crash and high calories like a lot of high caffeine drinks that are commercially sold so if you want to order those shots for yourself and see how they can help you then check out the link um, uh, in the written description for this episode on whatever platform you're watching on watching or listening on um, and if you want to let me know personally how they help you when you do order them and try them for yourself, then message me at my personal Instagram page, which is at Nath underscore a day. So if you're watching on YouTube, it is right here on the screen. You can see it for yourself. Um, but if you're just listening on a podcast platform, it is at N-A-T-H underscore A-double-D-A-I. Uh, message me there to find out about more about that product and any other products that I've been using because I've been using other products as well um, as well as different workout techniques and things to help improve 
my physical health, which in turn improves my mental health. So thanks for listening. Let's get back into the episode. Enjoy. (laughs) Well, here's another another part of my story, which links to this conversation um, that we've really boldly and bravely dived into really quickly. I was so I was a young young kid growing. I was one of five kids. I was the fourth. Wow. Um, I say to my parents, they obviously save the best for fourth, right? <laughs> but um, the, so I'm growing up in this this very small city, Catholic family, New Zealand, um, and I can't turn to my mum and dad because I can't discuss anything sexuality related, you know, mm. with them. So what I do as a, as a vulnerable young teenager at an all-boys Catholic school, mm. secondary school, I turn to the school guidance counsellor mm. who's... I'm sorry, just for context, Maris- yeah. do you want to maybe explain a bit more on when you found out you were gay? Was it something that you always kind of sensed or would you... In hindsight, in hindsight, in hindsight, I can see it now. But when you're when you're growing up as that and you don't have any positive role models or you don't have anything to see or look to, I didn't understand what was going on, Nathan. Mm. How, how could I? I grew up in the 70s and 80s. There was nothing visible or healthy to have a reference to. Right. Just as lots, just as lots of um, young black males don't have lots and lots of uh, young women don't have any healthy role models to look to to go oh this is who I may be because identity isn't just a self thing identity mm. is self in connection with others I didn't have yeah, that yeah. right that's a good so point I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm growing I'm growing up in this very catholic family small town so I, I can't turn to my parents for support or discuss anything sexuality really so I turned to the school guidance counselor uh initially when I was 13 at this all-boys secondary school um and then he proceeded to groom me and abuse me mm. so let's let's not talk about sin mm. <laughs> and catholicism and christianity but let's talk about the point of layer upon layer upon layer is going to impact your mental health yeah. and when you don't have a safe person or environment or people or community to turn to and connect to what do you do mm. well i can tell you what i did and what i know billions of other people do turn to other things that will help them numb run and escape and so what i did from a very young age is i turned to drink drugs and sex mm. because i had no other skills or resources to help me cope mm. Yeah, man, that's, you know, I think all of us can kind of relate to that. You know, we all have these coping mechanisms that we um, use. And um, it's sometimes we don't know, sometimes we don't realise their coping mechanisms. It's so ingrained in us that it's like, you know, until someone gives you an outsider perspective, you think mm. this is just normality so um yeah I, um yeah please like tell us and by the way thank you for your transparency because um talking about any kind of assault is you know very can be very triggering um but mm. it seems like you've had a lot of time to i'm not to say that you 
your healing process is finished because I feel like that's a lifelong process. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a lifelong. But the, here's, here's, you know, I know, I know for a fact that um, in terms of uh, uh, the work that I've been able to do around that, I have been very blessed and very privileged in as much as I had the time, money, resources and support around me when I was 38 <laughs> to start doing that work. I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk to you peacefully and transparently about any of that if I hadn't done that work. Mm. And the whole point now is, Nathan, is like, and I say this a lot when I get to speak to people, is my stories are no longer for me. They're for you and others who are still navigating and needing to have support to hear the hardships and the struggles and the extreme pain. It was extreme pain um, mm. that there is hope and that you too can get through it. But I know it takes work and it takes hard work. And for me, it took money. I was fortunate enough. I was earning enough money to pay for my own private therapy for six years. Right mm. now, that was a huge commitment, but <laughs> I think I was spending about 250 pounds a, a month extra just for therapy, but cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, owning a car, these are other choices that people make. I don't smoke, I don't drink, those I don't things do drugs. build up as well. Right. So yeah. how much is your mental health worth? You know what, what would you put? What question. would you put? What would you put as a number in terms of money on your inner peace and internal wealth? I'm going to be very honest. That's a question I'm still asking myself because um, obviously I've got my own stuff that I'm dealing with as well. And sure. I'm still, um, I'm still, over, I, I can see the value of counseling and therapy. Like I do want it, but at the same time, I guess all the, um, all the, I guess not just excuses, but like the challenges of starting therapy when you haven't had the right therapist before, you know, things like mm. finances, time. Mm. Am I really ready? Is it, is this really the answer? Is there still some more independent work I can do first to help myself? Mm -hmm. um, so these are questions I'm still grappling with. Um, and so when you say how much is your mental health worth, that's, that's the golden question, man. And I'm still trying to define that for myself. But I'm, it, is, it is very important for us to consider, you know, because um, we always, you know, the things that are most important to us, we do find some time or money for those things. So, um, yeah, really well, the, solid the, the other question, <laughs> The other question that I, I quite often ask clients that I work with is, have you had enough pain yet? Mm. enough pain have you to had enough do pain? something <laughs> pain unfortunately becomes the ultimate motivator but for True. some people for yeah. some people their threshold for pain they think is higher than it actually is and then what happens is they kill themselves that's the reality of mental health and i've, I've had three suicides in my life and I don't particularly care for them. 
because they're horrific for everybody involved. But the reason I asked that question of have you had enough pain yet? It's like, it doesn't have to get worse. It doesn't. And, you know, here's, here's an interesting thing linked to helping others and working with people. So, as I said, I'm a, a business and personal coach and I know I'm expensive, right? I am expensive and I'm deliberately charging what I charge because I know I'm worth that. But even more importantly, I know that you are worth that and more. So clients will say, oh, I can't afford that. And I say, oh, it's okay. How much did you spend on your last holiday? They've always spent more on their last week or two week holiday than doing a three-month block of work with me that will change their lives. I've never, ever heard anyone who's been away on a week or two-week holiday where they've come back and said, you know what? I feel so much more at peace with long-term lasting results. So it's all about, and that's why I deliberately say, how much is your mental health worth? How much are you worth? Because if we can spend 300 quid on, on a, a beautiful car, a month and cigarettes and drugs and drink and so it's like that's great but it's all choices what do you want what's gonna what's gonna impact your life in a positive way with long lasting results mm. and I, I i know for me i can't answer for anyone else it's like i spent over the six years about 25 grand on wow. my my on my therapy and i'm telling you now i don't believe i would be living the life i live i could also be dead because my mental health was in such a bad way. Mm. Wow. So, um, yeah, let's, let's keep going into your story. So growing up as a teenager, um, you know, you, you, you feel that you are, you are gay and you're trying to navigate, you're trying to, you've got all these coping mm -hmm. mechanisms. I guess what level of pain did you reach, I guess, before you were, desperate enough for a more long-term solution like how how gradual is this kind of recoveries process? it was uh, in in comparatively and this this sounds strange to say but comparatively i got off lightly okay so I, i've been sober and in recovery for just over 22 years um i still i still have support to manage uh my mental health in terms of addiction recovery but by the time I, and I knew, I knew alcohol was a problem for me from the beginning. I knew that, right. That was a problem. I remember being 18 and drinking in such a way where it was only to achieve blackout and annihilation. Um, and I knew it was the problem. And for me, you know, obviously my father was an alcoholic, so I had that genetic predisposition to it, but how I drank was unhealthy from when I was 15 right and um, when the abuse started when i was 15 that was what i sought that's what i did because it gave me complete freedom from the internal psychological emotional pain that was going on i i, I didn't know what to do yeah. um sorry one second and, i'm just trying to find my other earbud <laughs> one sec <laughs> no problem <laughs> i just put it somewhere there it is found it Okay, sorry about that, Mario. <laughs> That's all right. Sorry. Um, yeah, so, so for me, it got really, really painful really quickly. Um, and, you know, I don't want to go into to graphic detail, but, you know, the listeners can use their imagination. 
Um, so I would go from Wellington across to Sydney in Australia. It was only like a three hour flight. So it was easy to get to and fairly cheap. Um, and I would go across there for a party week or two weeks and be off my head for the whole time. And this is what alcoholism and my addiction led me to is I would wake up with, I would wake up, or no, I wouldn't wake up. I would become conscious with strangers in different parts of the city and say, who are you and what are you doing here? And they'd say, oh, this is my place. I had no control. And anyone who has a drink or drug problem uh, or any other flavor of addiction, whether it's sex or gambling or whatever, will keep on engaging in the harmful behavior regardless of the negative consequences that come. And that's what I did. And when I was 24, I, yet again, did something very, very familiar that had happened repeatedly. And I came out of blackout with a stranger in a different place. And I didn't know where I was or what I'd been doing. And my soul broke. I just absolutely and turning i'm 24 you know 24 i i i don't look around like my age. I, yeah. right around your age nathan and i was broken i that my whole internal mental psychological health crumbled in that instant and i left where i was and i had to walk right across the city in, in wellington new zealand and if you know it there's one set of hills on one side and then about a 30 minute walk across across the, the city. There's another set of hills and I live up, lived up by the university. I was 177 stairs up to where my, my flat was, up the top by the university. And it wasn't the, the walk of shame, it was a walk of hell because I had just woken up for the first time because of extreme pain. And fortunately, um, that was the beginning. I guess that was actually the first bit of my journey of healing and recovery but it took a very 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 long time for me to get to a place of okay there's stuff in the past that I haven't even accepted and, and looked at it took me 14 years 14 years of recovery to even accept and use the word abuse in relation to myself as in you were abusing yourself or no, the abuse, I'm referring, abuse, I'm referring to the abuse that had occurred when I was a teenager. I had just wow. cut it off. I had never, ever allowed myself to use the word abuse around what had happened. So 23 years later, I'm 38. I'm sitting in my garden, just looking out here. And it was a hot summer, August uh, 2013. And I was in a bad way. I was in a real bad way. And I just uh, accepted that I had been abused. I'd reported it to the New Zealand police, you know, historically made the phone call from London to, to New Zealand reporting that. And um, I'm sitting in my garden. It's a hot summer, August 2013. And there was a tree in my back garden. And I looked at that tree and my thought was, I know that that tree will take my weight. And then this other little voice goes, and there's a full bottle of vodka under the stairs. And then this other little voice goes, I think you're really tired. You should go to sleep. So I went to bed and I woke up the next day and I called my closest mate. His name's Patrick too. He came and saw me. He said, we've got to get you to your GP immediately. I was like, why? He goes, your eyes are dead. 
It's the most heartbreaking thing I have ever been told. And I knew what he meant because I could feel that my eyes are quite blue. And when I'm really, really healthy and well, there's a light and a brightness and a spark. And at the moment, I'm really, really well. But because the, the emotional and psychological pain and the anxiety and the depression was right on me, I was as, as dark as I can get, um, the light goes in my eyes and my eyes go this kind of almost cold blue gray. And he said, your eyes are dead. It was the most horrific thing I've ever been told about me because I felt it. I could feel it. And when he said that to me, I just burst into tears because I knew I was very, very unwell. I don't use the, the word broken or having a breakdown because what the hell does that mean anyway? I was seriously, seriously unwell. This, this man, this 38-year-old man was just seriously unwell and didn't know what to do. So that is the end of part one of my chat with Patrick. Powerful stuff. Obviously, we talked about so many things there, you know, faith, um, sexuality, drug addiction, um, really deep stuff. Pro definitely one of the deepest episodes that um, we've had to date, for sure. Um, so, yeah, obviously, next episode will be part two, the final part of our discussion where Patrick talks more about... Um, how he was able to eventually find healing and how healing and recovery was a slow process which he's still on you know uh, when it comes to mental health there's no end destination there's no paradise it's it's an ongoing journey you know we are always developing ourselves we always have things to improve about our mentality and our the, the way we look after ourselves and things like that so um, he makes that very clear very, again very transparent guy that's what I love about him um, so sharing more about how he some some switching some turning points in his mental health journey where now he's been able to help others you know through his coaching service so um, he talks a bit more about what makes his coaching coaching and what makes it different from therapy um, but also yeah just his advice you know moving forward again powerful powerful close to um our conversation um but before that episode comes and before i finish this episode i have a few announcements again if you haven't seen the mental root short animated film look at the links in the written description for this episode whether you're watching on youtube or listening on any podcast streaming service um watch the film so that you can really see the heart behind that the visual heart behind why Mental Roots as a brand and as a movement exists. Um, it started with focusing on young black men and now is branching out to just focus on mental health in the black community as a whole. And also, even more importantly, I am looking for... Um, I've, I've, let, in fact, let's celebrate because I finally found someone for editing the visuals. So if you know, if you've been listening to the previous episodes, I have been finding trying to find volunteers to help the podcast keep going um and shout out to tyler someone who is also a master's student at the moment in the university of derby who has been um following this podcast for a short while so tyler shout out to you thank you for um volunteering right now with the editing 
um so with the next few visuals that you'll be seeing um if you're watching on youtube the next few visuals that you'll see in the episodes uh will be edited by him um and the visual style that we've already established is all courtesy of my previous intern for editing for video editing matt so matt if you're hearing this thank you again for setting the standard um for the visual editing so that i can just pass the mantle to the next person um and so tyler thank you but we do need someone for social media social media whew, this <laughs> i mean i'm still at i'm good with social media i don't i love using it but it's like there's still some technical things like how many hashtags should i use to optimize the views on the post and all of that stuff so if you're someone who's experienced in that stuff you would be perfect for this role i need you we need you as a team uh, jennifer is also working with me she's been what the first volunteer um and yeah she is also a big mental health advocate just finished her masters as well as of the time i'm recording this i just got a message from her she's finished her masters uh, i forgot what the subject what it it was in but it is something that she's using for her mental health practice um so jennifer if you're watching or listening to this congratulations on finishing your masters enjoy your break um and yeah you know we're uh we I'm, I'm so happy to have her on the team but yeah anyway she manages the emails mentalrootspod at gmail.com um if you email her if you email that email um she will most likely respond because she's the admin for our email so if you want to volunteer with not only social media but anything else you see about this podcast that you feel could be improved whether it's just editing for our social media clips whether it is seo optimization on youtube whether it is um even turning this podcast into a blog like whatever your skill set whatever you however you feel you can benefit this podcast email us at mentalrootspod at gmail.com most likely jennifer will get back to you um otherwise you can dm us on instagram at mentalrootspodcast that's all i wanted to say as of the time this is releasing obviously christmas is nearing it's like literally i think next week time is flying 2021 has flown by so quickly a lot has happened but um i think there will we will have one more episode next week um before christmas and then we'll have a short christmas break and then we'll get back to finishing season two in january hopefully god willing um or february in the latest um and yeah you know if have a nice christmas season um keep yourself safe stream mental roots the film message us let us know how you're doing and we'll be back next week with part two of our chat with patrick i'm done talking stay blessed let's go